0: Good morning. Full house tonight, house today. We're really thankful to have, have you guys all here. Um, I'm seeing some great friends that I haven't seen in a long time. How many of you, this is your first men's breakfast. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to see your hand. Love it. Love it. Love it. Just give my hand. Thankful to have you guys here. This is our uh, two-year anniversary today. So second year of men's breakfast. So very thankful for all your support. And for those of you who have spoken, we have a lot of several of our speakers that have, have spoken at this event before. We're really glad to have you here today as well. Um, to, I, I guess I've sa- I say this a lot, and maybe I uh, don't say it enough when I send you guys your 20 emails you get from me a month, but uh, this, these are all recorded and on iTunes, so if you check under COTM Men's Breakfast, they're all on there, and usually they go up about two days after we finish. So if you want to check that out or send it to a friend, that's a good way to, to get people to get to this event. Um, I was uh, honored and privileged to attend an event recently with uh, the Green family, who owns Hobby Lobby, and they brought in some CEOs, local CEOs, and just spent two days with us. And I, you know, some days in your life, you look back and say that was a marker in my life of something that truly changed me. And I can tell you this: um, this family, whose revenue uh, in 2015 was 4.6 billion. Unbelievable integrity and loyalty to God's word. Um, every year, they give away fifty percent of their profits to uh, ministries and to organizations that spread the gospel around the globe. And so, talking about you know using your wealth for good, I, I, those two days I spent with them were absolutely unbelievable. Um, as we entered the room with them, there were, or there were ten CEOs that were able to spend those two days with them. And um, you know, you walk into the room and you think, "Gosh, I'm sitting two feet from a billionaire." which is kind of a kind of a fun thing. But after about 15 seconds, it, all of the starstruckness kind of went away when you realize that the money didn't have them, that they're the ones that are pointing the money where they want it to go. And so I was really humbled to be there, really, really humbled to be with them. And he retold the story of what happened with their family when they took on the government uh, for um, what happened with them in, in, in healthcare. And it was incredibly humbling to watch him tell this story because he broke down several times telling it. He said, You know, we've we built this business through God, and he said, Realize this business belongs to God, and if God wants it back, he can have it back. He said, uh, We met as a family. We talked about what that was going to look like if we were to take on the government, what it was going to cost us. And we all talked about it. Were there other options? Were there things we could do? There were, um, I think, uh, 14 drugs that they could offer uh, to their company for birth control, four of which they knew ran the real possibility of ending life. And he said, As a company and as a family, we met and said, We can't support. This we can't support this. So what are we gonna do? Are we gonna stand on God's word and say that we we will take it on and and live by our principle, or will we just go ahead and and do what the government wants us to do and take it on? And he said, We determined together to take it on. And he said, um and then about that point he he started started to cry. And I was like, Whoa, this is a big deal to him. This is you know years after this has happened, and he said, um, he said, um, as we des- as we determined that we were going to go in and take it on, he said we knew that the chances were that we could lose everything. And he said, as a company you've worked this long to build, he said I finally determined in my heart that if God wanted this business and He wanted to use this business in this moment to teach the, les- the world a lesson about what it means to stand on, on your integrity, uh, we were willing to do that. And so it was just it was really really humbling to see that 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 a company that large he'd be willing to lay it down and and not pick it up because he knew that God needed it. As you know, they won the case five to four, and we couldn't be more grateful for the way they led let us all. You know, and one of the things he commented on is he said, we have no idea how close we were as believers of losing all of our Christian beliefs and our, and, and our rights. He said, because this how it works with the Supreme Court is once a precedent has been set, other people can come along and do things and say things, and they refer back to that case, kind of like what we deal with, with Roe versus Wade. So he's like, you know, for there to be a 5-4 vote, we were incredibly close to being in a very dangerous situation as Christians in this country. So really thankful to have spent those two days with him. Really, really honored. One thing I want to note, and I think it's something that, that we all need to carry, you know, for me, probably like a lot of you, I read my Bible on my phone, and I don't know where, where, that, where that started happening, where I stopped actually reading a physical book. But with the Green family, it's something I noticed that he walks into this room. He sets, um, he sets his Bible down. I have a picture of it here, the Bible that, that he sat there with for, for two days with us. And that he didn't have a phone. He didn't even look at his, his watch. I didn't watch him look at his watch one time for two days, but he kept referring to his Bible. He said, this is the book. He said, everything we do in this business is done by this book. He said, everything you need for your business, everything for your, you need for your life is in this book. And so this last week, I went and bought a paper Bible <laughs> as quick as I could, um, but it's something that he keeps with him, and he would refer to things that he had read, refer to things that he had studied, refer to principles. You know, and the more we live, and the more we live in digital society, it's good to you know for him to have set that. That's the only thing he brought. He brought that and a few a few notes that he had. I quickly took a real quick snap. It's I was sitting really close to him, so I was able to get that shot. But for uh, that moment, um, you know, for all of us, I encourage you to go shop at Hobby Lobby because they do good things with their money. So that's my that's my plug for today. Um, Really honored today to have Sam Ferris with us. Um, Sam received his engineering degree from Oklahoma State, and while there, he launched his career being a, what he calls a serial problem solver and team transformation artist. So if any of you know Sam, I'm sure he will uh, further uh, impact that for us. Through his roles at Walmart in Bentonville, Nike in Portland, a quick trip in Tulsa, and currently at Nordam, he helped launch and lead a new subsidiary called Part Pilot. A revolutionary online trading marketing place for buying and selling aircraft uh, parts. Uh, my agency has worked with Sam in the launch of this and new company. I'll tell you, he's a joy to work with, he's passionate about life, and he's a true team player. And today he's going to share that with us. So please welcome Sam Ferris.
1: Thanks, Johnny. Well good morning, everybody. I am uh, excited to be here and uh, as we get uh, started, one of the things I uh, wanted just to point out here so this uh, design here was uh, done by a designer. It was brought to my attention yesterday that it has a uh, strong resemblance for a certain North Korean leader and so uh, i wasn 't quite sure how I felt about that at first, but you know it just is what it is so uh, with that, we'll go ahead and, uh, and get started. So I always like to try to begin things with something a little bit funny, and I was like, well, what could I do for a men's breakfast? So I was kind of thinking, as like, perhaps a PMS joke might be appropriate. And uh, as I got out there, I was just looking, and it turns, you know, come to find out PMS jokes just aren't funny, period. So the, uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't know, some of you, you like that? Yeah, a little bit onsh. So I got a few kind of uh, kind of crazy looks here in the crowd. Kind of like that time I walked into the uh, psychiatrist's office wearing nothing but saran wrap, and he stood and looked at me for a second and said, Ferris, I can clearly see your nuts. So, all right, okay, so the, all right, so I don't know if I've lost you or if you're doing, doing all right, but uh with that... We'll, we'll go ahead and get started. So these three conversations about team. So what I'd like to do is share a little bit of the experience that the, I feel like the Lord's blessed me with in my career, and the journey that I've been on in trying to learning these different things, kind of the power of team. And I talk a little bit about being a former lone wolf, uh, but you know that's kind of being this guy that going out and kind of relying only on my own skills and sets uh, and strengths and, and talents. But then how that kind of transformed my life to, to find uh, more fulfillment. So with that, what really is the power of team? Is it just another word for teamwork? Uh, things like that, which I thought a lot of people might might consider. And so it's like, depending on your definition or experience of what uh, team or teamwork might be, uh, a few examples here. So you might think teamwork is just a bunch of people doing what I say. So that was written by a Mr. I Am Legend. Uh, but the idea behind it is, right, is this really just a bunch of people doing what what I need to have done? And that's not what we're talking about. Uh, another one might be from the Honorable Bulldozer. Teamwork is when you get out of my way and let me do what I'm going to do, right? That's not what we're talking about either. And like, the third one here is teamwork is made up by a bunch of lazy people who didn't want to do their job. So that's Mr. Calls It Like He Sees It. So you know, as, we're, as we're kind of stepping through this, that's not what we're wanting to talk about. What I want to do is kind of reframe it for the real power of team is like this African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And so I think that really has a biblical principle of going together in life. And, you know, some people talk about, you know, the Lord's my co-pilot or Jesus is my co-pilot. Well, that's kind of dumb because really he should be the pilot and we should be the co-pilot. Uh, but as we go through it, right, we're better together. What did God say about Adam in the Garden of Eden? It's not good that he's alone. So as we go through this community, uh, as well as the teams that we're building, you know, in our, in our day in and day out lives, uh, there's opportunity to leverage and have something more. So that's what we're going to spend a few, few uh, minutes talking through here today. So conversation one. So the, the setup for this is I'm a, a young engineering student at Oklahoma State, kind of you know, ambitious guy, top 10 freshman man, kind of involved over campus, go, go, go. And really, you know, kind of getting to a spot of almost being burned out because I'm, I'm stretched a little thin, but I have the opportunity to uh, get to work with a guy named Rick Webb. So Rick was a gentleman who had started a consulting firm. He was also an industrial engineer, got his Ph.D. through OSU, had this very successful consulting firm, sold it into KPMG, so they're a large uh, international consulting firm, and he kind of had the retail operations arm of that business. He retired to Stillwater, you know, young guy at this point, uh, and then the clients kept calling, and so he needed somebody to help him do research. And so I went to go work for him, uh, doing research for these due diligence uh, exercises where they're evaluating companies. And he came to me through one of our trips. You know, he's like, "I'm a young guy. I'm, I'm in college. You know, uh, baby-faced." And uh, he's like, "All right, you got to always wear a suit." But he's like, "There's really three important things that you need to think about being successful." He's like, "One, whenever we're traveling, you never pass on an opportunity to use the restroom or grab something to eat." And I may have taken that one a little too seriously, uh, but the idea number two was: if you ever want to get into a boardroom, you need to have leather sole shoes. I'm like, okay, but I've been in a few boardrooms, and you know, even at Quick Trip, I even saw a few shorts in their boardroom. So I don't know that that rule always apply. Uh, but then the third thing, and this was really the the thing that was the impact, is you don't always have to be right; you just have to be the most convincing. So I took that, and when you think about it from a biblical standpoint, uh, you know, Proverbs talks about. Uh, seeing a man skilled in his craft, he'll stand before he won't stand before obscure men. He'll stand before kings. And so, in that same sense, to be convincing, you need to have some level of influence. You need to know what you're talking about. You need to be able to do your homework uh, and and be able to uh, be skilled in your craft. And opportunity will present itself. But what I found is taking that a little bit too far uh, of kind of being all about a one man show. In essence, like I was almost like a car in third gear going pretty fast. Uh, but I was also redlining, and so it it brought me a great deal of success as a consultant and even working at Walmart uh, because it was about moving quickly. Now, at Walmart, you know, we kind of joked we worked half days, six to six, and we worked six days a week, Uh, so it was six, 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 but, uh, you know, I say that just jokingly, but it was hard work, but the opportunity there were problems that we got to solve there that you wouldn't get to solve in just any other company and organization. Every challenge, every problem in society happens in a Walmart store. So if you like solving problems, if you're a go-getter, uh, then this is a great opportunity, and I absolutely loved it. But I knew, too, that I only had a certain uh, lifespan at Walmart just because of the quality of life balance that was you know, affecting my marriage and even just my own health. And in fact, two of the executives that I worked for had uh, heart attacks you know, at work uh, just during you know my course of, of a few years there in Walmart, just because it is so hard it 's a bit like being a military general, uh, you know life expectancy can be really challenging, so as you go through it, you know it was one of those things where its I was going fast, but I was going alone you know I had success, but I really wasn 't in a position to be able to go far. And so, you know, kind of to, to sum it up, I did find success, but I didn't, it wasn't really sustainable long-term, and you couldn't scale. It was just as much as I could do. And in fact, I would say sometimes I even had a little bit of a low-grade kind of anger and frustration with people who weren't working as hard as I was or couldn't do as much uh, as I was going to do, and if you weren't, then I didn't necessarily need you on my team. And that's not biblical, and that's not the right way to think about this. So I'm sitting there kind of minding my own business and working on all my special projects back kind of in the skunk work area at Walmart where most people didn't have my phone number or anything like that. And I get a phone call from a Nike recruiter, and they're looking for uh, a supply chain guy. And I'm like, man, I love getting a call from Nike, but I'm a retail guy. I'm not a supply chain guy. They're like, well, actually, we're wanting to find somebody that's a retail guy to come into our supply chain and help us transform it so that we can become better at servicing our customers who are retailers and grow their retail business. And I'm like, fantastic, then I might be your guy. So we started talking, and sure enough, I joined Nike and head up to Portland. And so the setup for conversation number two is... I'm just now hired. My family is still back in Arkansas. Uh, we're in mid-20s, and uh, so I've got a young family with a daughter getting ready to pack the house up. We just got an offer on the house. But I'm out in Oregon beginning my first few weeks, uh, corporate housing, and then we're going off to do a leadership retreat uh, with my boss and my peers. And so we're in the middle of the woods of Mount Hood. It's dark now. We'd been earlier in the day walking through the forest, exploring the landscape. Uh, talking about the, uh, where we were born. What did the, did the land look like where we were born? What was the environment and atmosphere? Because that would really affect and, and translate to how we see the world today. So kind of all sorts of uh, kind of heebie-jeebie things where I thought kind of some, the local chapter of Wicca or something might come out of the woods and get me. You know, I was a little bit out of my comfort zone in these woods, and there was nowhere to turn, right? If I tried to run away in the middle of the night, I wouldn't even know how to get back to a road. So we step in to do a team-building exercise of focused on what do we need to do as a leadership team over this coming year to focus and be successful and come together. I was the new guy coming into their team. So we were, we're, this exercise was we had 10 words that we need to prioritize, force rank from most important to least important of these 10 words uh, individually, and then we're all going to step back and compare them. And so words were like innovation, uh, communication, teamwork, discipline. Uh, and so we had this list of 10 words. So we're kind of force ranking, looking at the list and getting our list. And after a few minutes, we all step back from our uh, flip charts and take a look. There's a little bit of energy in the room. Everybody's kind of excited to see what everybody says. And all of a sudden, it slowly gets a little little quieter, a little less energy in the room. And we all start to lo- look at the same board, and it was my board. Because when you looked at everybody else's list, teamwork was number one, teamwork was number one, teamwork was number one, teamwork was number one. Then on mine, teamwork was about number six. And so my new boss, Deb Helmer-Steele, she's kind of quiet and you can see her kind of stirring and everybody's starting to look in her direction. And she goes, Ferris, did I make a mistake hiring you? And I'm like, maybe you did but i don't want that to be the case and so we come to find out she's like uh, conversation number two pointers you will not be successful here at nike if teamwork is not priority number 1 for you and so i was like well i'm not saying it can't be number 1 on my list right <laughs> i'm always willing to learn and know something different especially given i'm kind of at your mercy right here uh but i just said you asked me what I thought success would look like and what it would take, and I'm telling you, based on my experiences, teamwork hasn't been what was most important. But I understand that if that's what it takes here, I'm willing to learn and adjust and change. And And through that conversation, I uh, met with some other folks where, you know, come to find out at Nike, there had been several other folks that had come out of a consulting background and they couldn't make the change. They weren't successful. They had to leave either because they were asked to leave or they left because they just, it didn't work for them to create and, and shift into that new environment. So as we think about it, the, t- the story of the Tower of Babel uh, you know, is like, look, they're unified, they have one language, there's nothing that they can't do when they're unified and come together. And so in this concept of coming together as a team and teamwork, uh, you know, I truly feel that it's a, it's a biblical principle that when you're together, you guys as a whole are greater than the sum of your parts. Like you come together and there's a multiplication effect when you do it right. Uh, and as we, as we step back, do you think about it? The environment at Nike was a completely different type of environment. Uh, you know, we'd work basically in the summer, you work four days and a half day on Friday. You know, it was a much different environment. They created an atmosphere for people to come together and have community. You know, on campus, you were always eating with your friends and your buddies, and you're going to play soccer together or play softball. uh, And you got as much done in the gym at lunchtime as you would in an afternoon meeting. Uh, Just there was a different kind of culture and environment, and so it fostered a chance to come together and for you to see and leverage uh, each other's uh, experiences and perspectives. And you know, At first, it did feel slow, and I won't be lying to you. It kind of felt like, right? right, you're asking to work with team, and it's like, I've got to go get all these other people involved in the process, and I've got to get different perspectives, and you've got to get other people bought in. And it was a real challenge, and it felt like I was wasting time. But it's a little bit like the principle in Jim Collins' book, uh, Good to Great, where he talks about what allowed companies to go from just good to great over a long period of time. And one of the principles is the is this principle of the flywheel. And it's one of those situations where as you're pushing on this flywheel, at first you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing, and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. And it's barely moving. And so I'm trying to shift and get into teamwork and focus on team and bring these people in. And I'm pushing, and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. And the thing, it actually seems like it's going slowly. But over time, as you keep pushing, momentum builds up and you keep pushing, and then it goes faster and faster, and you keep pushing, and the next thing you know, this thing is really humming, and you have all this power and momentum behind you that you never would have had if you'd, if you'd stopped. You had to keep going, but once you did it, all of a sudden now there's more power than you on your own. And so in that essence, you know, we started working through it, and we kind of joked at Walmart back in my Walmart days that we could change you know, twice as fast as anybody else, but we had to change at least twice to get close to getting it right. Uh, and then at Nike, what I found was it seemed like we were going, you know, you know, half as fast as anywhere else. But over time, all of a sudden we started realizing that we couldn't be stopped and we actually picked up steam. And so it takes a while to kind of get the dynamics right. But once you get the dynamics right and working, you really can go further faster uh, than going on your own conversation three. So here I am at Nike. I found a great deal of success. I'm already a director in my 20s. I uh, kind of uh, assume and basically get the chance to create a new team. Uh, I'm kind of assembling different folks, uh, you know, part of the team I inherited. I'm able to build part of the team myself, uh, and we're all trying to come together. But I realize too, even in that essence, I have things are better. We have an atmosphere where we're working together, but I'm still kind of frustrated. Something's not quite right. I'm not Quite over the hump just yet. And I went back to Deb Helmer still. So she was my boss when I first got hired there. Uh, And, you know, as a bit of a mentor, and I'm like, Deb, you know, can you give me some pointers here? What do I need to be thinking about? What am I missing? You know, I'm having success, but I'm not quite there. And it feels like if I'm not in the middle of it, It's not happening. And it's not, you know, I'm trying to convince people my way, and I don't always, you know, can't win them over like I used to. I'm trying to be the most convincing. So I'm in the power of team. I've got the teamwork thing down, but I'm still trying to convince everybody that I'm right and come my way. And so she had me go talk to a guy uh, named John. I don't even remember John's last name, but he was the director of the DNA, Department of Nike Archives. It's a really cool role at Nike. Uh, But this is what he said. He's like, Sam, you don't understand. You're not playing your part, you need to play your role. Your job is to enhance and enrich the exchange, not control it. And so what I always had a thought is like, you know, we're here in this group, but I'm just trying to get the group to do what I want them to do rather than how do I help play my role to help the group figure out what the group needs to do and come up with the best solution as a whole, not just what I think is the best thing. And I didn't really – I mean, it kind of – its it's not very rocket science type thinking – but I hadn't really thought about it. I needed to step back and realize that I had the whole thing kind of backwards and wrong. And so as we as we step through it, you know, uh, the Bible talks about, you know, one person can be taken down if you're by yourself. But if there's two of you, right, somebody's got your back. You guys can defend off an attacker And a court of three, right, a strand of three, and you got three of you together, you can take down the world. And this idea of surrounding yourself— with people that can see in your blind spot, that have experiences that are different than you, that can give you perspective that you don't normally have. It strengthens you, and it allows you to actually do more than you thought you could do in the first place. So there's a there's a book I'll recommend at the very end called the 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 Medici or the Medici, depending on does anybody speak Italian in here? Uh, okay, no no Italian. So whichever way you like to say it, but it's this concept of really this family this is a wealthy uh, banking family uh, in Italy. That really helped the Renaissance form. Uh, But the idea that they talk about in the book are all these different interesting intersections where innovation and creativity can come from. And it usually happens in the most unlikely of sources and most unlikely of places that you wouldn't see and normally think about. And when you're so focused on trying to get your idea over the top or not willing to listen to your team, which I found myself doing, we were not achieving as much as we possibly could have. And so it was one of those things where I had to step back and realize I needed to a change. I needed to adjust my approach. I needed to become a better team player uh, and figure out how to help my teammates find their blind spots, right? My role wasn't just for them to see what I'm seeing, but how do I help them see perhaps what they're not seeing? And in that process, helping everybody get better. And it's that kind of effort of, bringing us all together, and together we're better, and we kind of build off of each other rather than just wait for somebody else to stop talking and then convince them my way is the best way. So it reminds me a little bit of the story of two guys that died. Uh, one of them went to hell for a night, and the other one went to heaven, and then they came back to life and were comparing stories. And the guy was like, hey, well, what was hell like? Like, well, it was crazy. It was this room full of this amazing table with all this food, uh, everything you could ever want uh on this table. Any dessert, any meat, whatever you needed, it was on the table. But everybody had these six foot long forks and and they you know, couldn't feed themselves, and so they're trying to get their food, and they're trying to put it in their mouth, but nobody could do it. So everybody's starving, everybody's angry at each other, everybody's really hangry, uh, you know, emaciated and frustrated, and they couldn't do it. And so it was, like, miserable, and I was so glad I was back. It's like, okay. And compare stories, what was it like in heaven? It's like, well, it's crazy. It was like the same big table of food that everybody could ever want, but everybody had those same long forks, but they were taking it and feeding the person across the table from themselves. And everybody was full and satisfied. And so it was one of those situations that a lot of times what we're dealing with is just a slight twist in what we're thinking about it. And so often when we look to meet the other person's needs or we look to figure out how to, how to compliment our teammate and our partner, we get what we need in return. And what I found was the thing that I was getting frustrated about was I didn't think I had the influence And I was like, okay, I feel like God's given me these ideas to help benefit the team, but I'm not being effective. I'm not being able to move the team forward. And what I realized was I was just focused on myself. And when I started focusing on the others, I actually ended up getting more of what I wanted in the first place. All of a sudden, my level of influence with the team increased because a level of trust occurred that wasn't there when they thought I was competing against them and it's a little bit like a team like a you know team running together am i pushing the team to get better or am i just pushing for my own benefit or my own personal time And so as we started working through it, it really unlocked a lot of change, and all of a sudden, you know, things were fantastic. Uh, You know, I started finding a lot of fulfillment, and and quite honestly, like, we knew we needed to come back to Tulsa to be closer to home and family, and God's blessed me with with great opportunities here uh, at Quick Trip and and at Nordam here. Uh, But, you know, Nike was a fantastic place to work uh, with life balance and everything like that, and part of it was them creating an atmosphere, an environment for people to come together and do great work. Uh, so as we as we kind of step through that, uh, you know I wanted to at least be able to hit the no grow discover go, you know take care of jesse and the and the guys here at church on the move. you know one of the things about anything in life, whether it 's understanding the power of team it 's kind of walking through uh, you know learning a new skill, uh, even in your spiritual walk you know there 's a process, and you know the great philosopher Oprah Winfrey, you know likes to say you got to know better to do better, uh, but you know part of this too is hopefully today you know, talking through these conversations and discussions, maybe it gives a little bit of a perspective, something different than you had before. And so from that, I want you to kind of uh, grow, think a little bit about what can you do differently, uh, what can you evaluate in your own life, and then discover ways of applying maybe some of these principles uh, as you go out. So, you know, I want to challenge you to kind of, you know, take one little nugget that might be Uh, different for you from this conversation. Think about how you could apply that and and hopefully advance your team and and move it forward. Um, You know, small groups are also another great way uh, as we think about it, because we do life together. Part of being a team is doing life together. And so whether it's in small groups, they give you perspectives that you're not aware of, uh, that perhaps somebody's going through an experience uh, that you've already been and you can give into their life and see some blind spots that, that they may have or that they can speak into your life. Like all these are great opportunities to be able to uh, continue your own walk and grow and have both a practical application, but also you know help you in your own spiritual walk. So, a few thoughts as kind of as we kind of wrap up here. Uh, I wanted to leave a little some resources uh, and you know as we as we think through this. You know, John Maxwell always says leaders are readers, uh, but a couple of books, a couple of resources, and a couple of thoughts that I wanted to just leave you with to say, all right, how do I go apply this? Uh, Maybe with some practical steps. Uh, So, the first thing that I wanted to do uh, is have mentors in your life. So, if you don 't have them, I really encourage you to have mentors it 's been something that I found hugely beneficial, so even today, we talked about with Deb Helmer still, so she was a boss at one time, but she also became a mentor of mine i 've had mentors you know since I was in high school, and they 've made a huge difference of people that can speak into my life, give me perspective, shoot me straight when i 'm you know a little off course and uh, and it 's just one of those foundational things. Uh, so if you haven't done that, I would challenge you to do it, Uh, you know, and if nothing else, you know, you become a lot like the people that you hang around, so look at the friends and the relationships that you have. If you're the smartest guy in the bunch all the time, you might need to look for some additional friends to take you to the next level, right, and it almost feels like you need to have kind of circles where you're in the middle. In some circles, there need to be people ahead of you doing what you want to do, go where you want to go, achieve what you're wanting to achieve so that they can help encourage you and give you insight. And at the same time, how do you kind of pay it forward or pay it back in the sense of some of the circles, you need to be that person for other people. You know, early on in my career, I was really only focused about myself. And now I've come to learn that it's also important. Like, I'm not going to be doing this thing forever. And so who am I bringing up behind me? How do we have folks that we can grow uh, and encourage that are coming in behind us? So the second thing that I would challenge you, especially if you're a leader of a team where at the end of the day you have the ultimate veto, right? You can decide and tell the team this is the way we're going to go. I especially want to encourage you in this, but really anybody, be willing to have your mind changed. And this is something i got to do on a daily basis myself, Uh, but One of the things about it so often is in in working with a team is if you are at all controlling your team and hiring the people that you're bringing into your organization, then you should trust that you made good decisions when you hired people. And you should challenge and work to hire smarter, better, faster people than you are to be on your team. That's only a smart thing to do and not be threatened by it. And as you go through it, if you're not listening to people's ideas and if you're not willing to have your mind changed and your ideas about things shifted uh, because of hearing their perspectives and they're bringing ideas to the table, uh, you know, then you're, you're reducing your ability to make an impact. And it's kind of, there's a saying, it was like, if all of us are of the same mind, only one of us is needed. So your team should be bringing different perspectives and ideas to you. And if they're not, that says something about you and not them. Because you haven't created an atmosphere, an environment, kind of like at Nike, where they created an environment that allowed people to come together and share ideas and share life together and build trust. So I just encourage you, if you're not willing to have your mind change, then you're probably not going to get the most out of your team. Now, that being said, it's a daily walk all the time. Even, you know, some, some of my uh, colleagues are here today, and I know I can be very opinionated about an idea. It's like, okay, I've worked hard to think about this and come up with a good idea, and I wouldn't be recommending it if I didn't think it was you know a fantastic idea. Uh, but at the same time, you know, again, I had to go back to what's my role Sometimes my role is to speak last, or let's help facilitate it. Sometimes, you know, you need to jumpstart things. Think about what is your role, and how can you play it more effectively? One other idea, so really super practical. Um, Pastor Witt talked about this, one of his messages. It was a consultant that was advising people when they were going up to the stand and giving testimony. Uh, like a physical thing that you could do to help calm yourself down and put yourself in a position to kind of just listen rather than waiting to speak and react. And there was this idea of kind of turning your hands over and kind of placing them on top of your uh, knees here as you sit down. And I, I started actually doing that in some of my meetings, especially when I could feel my, my kind of blood pressure and intensity kind of get really like, okay, I need to jump in here and control this. Just that simple act of almost like surrendering put me in a position where I stopped thinking about what I'm going to say and just really try to hear the other person. And what I found when I did that is what I needed to say was something different than what I thought. And that opened up opportunity to all of a sudden now come in and influence because part of communication isn't making sure that you say what you want to say but figuring out how to communicate what they need to hear from you. All right, the the third thing that I want to leave you with is, okay, if some of this is like you know, jazzed you up and you're ready to go out and make some changes, realize that when you're under stress, as humans, we're going to revert back to usual behavior. So if we're, you know, it's one of those things like if you're, you know, always wear your watch on your left hand and all of a sudden you're going to decide and change, you're going to put it on your right hand. Right. Well, the next morning you're kind of got a big meeting, you're amped up, you're kind of got some stress in your life, you're gonna come speak at men's breakfast or something like that. You might all of a sudden put it up back on your left wrist because you're not thinking about it and you're just going through your emotions and your habits. And so under stress, you'll always go back. So if you do want to go about making some sort of change and incorporate these things into your life, just realize you're not gonna do it right all the time. And if you can become more self-aware and realize, hey, I'm in a level of kind of heightened awareness and stress right now. I maybe need to slow down, maybe turn my hands over, and then just get back on course if you get off. All right, a couple of books. I love to read, but I also don't necessarily find a lot of time to read because when I read, I get really sleepy, and I usually read at night. And that doesn't formulate for a lot of you know getting through a lot of books. So I listen to a lot of books with my Audible subscription or what have you. So what I would encourage you, and I can speed the speed it up to like one and a half, two times as fast. And I like that because I get through the books more quickly. Uh, when I'm in the car with my wife, she can't stand it, uh, so I gotta slow it down a little bit. But uh, but the idea is like I love that and it allows me to get through material more quickly. And so a few books just to add your reading list if you haven't already: uh, The Ideal Team Player by Peter Lencioni. And so he's got a lot of really good books. They're kind of written and format, so it's an interesting read and story. Uh, but that one kind of is a bit of like the, the work that brings them all together and how to apply the different concepts from his books. But anything by him is a great read. Uh, the, the Medici or the Medici effect uh, that we talked about before, I really encourage you, especially if you're interested in innovation and ideas. Uh, I like this concept where an architect uh, had to build a building, a multi-story building out in the middle of sub-Saharan Africa. Really hot in the day, really cold at night. How do you do it? And the challenge was no air conditioners. Like, how are you going to do that sort of thing? So he went and studied how termites in that part of the the world build these colonies that can regulate their own temperature in these these colonies throughout the day. And they have these little vents that open up in their day and and move the air through to keep it cool. And then at night, they close those vents off uh, to keep it warm. And so he took those principles and applied it with his architecture and created a masterpiece of a building. Uh, You know, all sorts of crazy ideas that are really interesting. Really encourage you to read that book. Great stuff. Uh, and then the third book was Good to Great by Jim Collins. Uh, now, when you read it, it is funny because they talk about, you know, t- he takes two peer companies that started at the same level, and over a period of time, the other one became great, and, and, and the you know, the study company, the other company didn't, and what, what differentiated them? Like, one of those companies that was great was Circuit City, and so just because you became great doesn't necessarily mean you'll always stay great, uh, but it's a really interesting read, and it and it walks through some great principles uh, that I think are helpful with this whole concept of team and uh, making a difference. And then the last two things that I'll leave you with are this: if you really want to get practical, uh, has anybody ever heard of Strength Finders? Uh, a couple people have Strength Finders. Okay. So as you do it, this is a super easy and practical tool that's readily available that Gallup basically put a book together, uh, and it's a way of of coming together and doing kind of a quick assessment of. Uh, what are your strengths or your tendencies? And the way I kind of think about it is the premise for the book is we spend all this time in Western culture focused on building up your weaknesses, but what if you spent that time investing in your strengths and what you're naturally inclined to do? How much further could you go if you focus there? And then between that and, the, and strengths-based leadership where they say, great leaders aren't well-rounded, but great teams are. So how do you think about... The composition of your team and bringing together a great team. So there's a real practical, easy reads where you can kind of incorporate these tools. There's some online test assessments that are pretty fast and easy. And it just gives you even a common language to talk to your teammates with, where you can kind of understand better where they're coming from. And if I need to go talk to this person, all right, they kind of lead with strategy. Like They like to think about strategy. So I need to think about that first and give them some of this future planning. And if somebody's an activator, they just like to get stuff done. So if I go talk to them, they don't want to hear about my fancy strategy. They want to hear what am I doing for them. And so it just gives you a way of relating to people more effectively as well as forming your own team. So super practical, easy, easy tools. And so with that, I just want to kind of go back and close with this concept of uh, that proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. And there are times when you need to go fast, and there are times when going alone is the right thing. But if you want to go far, and I think we're all generally part of organizations, relationships, and families that are wanting to go far, go together. Thank you.
0: If, it, if in this year you haven't gotten the message that God wants you to be in a community in a group, I think you might be missing out on something. So you, we might be onto something there um super grateful for you sam thank you so much so much good stuff we can make this uh, available to everyone this powerpoint correct so i will email this in a pdf format to everyone so you'll have these there's so many good quotes and so many good resources so if you didn't get a snap of it i'll uh, make sure we get that out to you then obviously check this out on itunes it'll be up there in the next couple of days and we'll let you know when it's going to be there so Thank you again, Sam. Really, really, really great stuff. Um, next month, we are excited to have uh, Pastor Brent Troxel with us. He's been here for 18 years at the church, and if you've been around him at all, you know that he is a Bible scholar, so he's going to share some great stuff with us. He's like one of the most faithful guys I know here at the church and kind of understated. Like, you know, he's around doing stuff, but you don't really know, like, exactly what he does. So he'll share some of those things with us and what it means to be a faithful, faithful guy So and, and what that can mean in our lives. He's been married to his wife, April, for 25 years. They have three children uh, for him. I love what he said um, when I asked him about his bio. He said, a passion is to see people grow in every area of their life, put Jesus first and get involved in life changing missions of the local church. So I love that as a, as a local pastor, we can hear some, we'll hear some great stuff from him. And I appreciate you guys. You know, sometimes we bring in people that you may not know. Some of you probably didn't know Sam, probably have seen him around, but I love the fact that you support the event, not necessarily who the speaker is every time, because we work really diligently on who we're going to bring in each month. Uh, with very specific topics, very specific things that we know that will bring to you that will be helpful. And hopefully today you'll walk away with several nuggets that I know for myself, so many things I learned today that I'm like, I need to go apply that right away um, and begin to work. You know, I own a creative agency. So when you're working with creatives, uh, you definitely, everyone has an opinion about how things need to get done or whether they need to get done the timeframe that you think they need to get done. And so getting on the same page is really, really important for all of us and that we have a plan. So, uh, I just want to pray for you today. I know that some of you are, we have a lot of business owners in here. We have some of you that are employees, you know, if you're not the one controlling the situation, than being part of the solution in the situation that you're in, on the team that you're on. Because you can, you're a leader wherever you are. Whatever you're, whatever you're doing, whatever walk of life in, you are a leader. And if you are a part of a group, you can be a leader of that group, or you can make suggestions, especially if some of the things we learned today. Those suggestions can be made to the group that you're in. So take what you learned today and apply it whatever situation that you're in. If you don't control it, uh, know that you can help lead it for sure. So let's pray. God, we love you so much, and we're so grateful for our time we've spent together today. Lord, bless Sam today for the time and effort he put into, Lord, everything he shared with us. Lord, I thank you that we're called to be leaders. Lord, we're called to be men of God wherever we are. Lord, and whatever the situation is, Lord, we can live by principle. We can live by um, what your word says and what you, what you guide us to do. Lord, thank you that we're all led and, and, and guided by the Holy Spirit in our lives. That Sometimes life's, life throws us curves that we don't, don't expect, but the Holy Spirit is always there to help guide us. Some of the things we learn are not always in books. They're learned by what we learn from the Holy Spirit. Lord, and we're thankful. We're grateful for this place. We pray for our pastor today. We're so grateful for Pastor George and just pray whatever he, he's doing today, wherever he is, Lord, that you're speaking to him, speaking to his heart. And, and the same for Pastor Witt, Lord. We're so grateful for our team, our leadership team. Lord, I pray over them today that they are anointed and filled with your word wherever they are. We love you. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.